0: From Workhouse Connect and A.J. Benza. Fame. Uh, He liked to be walked on a leash and play really dirty, kinky sex games. Isa. The guy put the cock in the Peacock Network, okay? Bitch. Hey, everybody. A.J. Benza here with Fame is a Bitch. This is your podcast for April 22nd, 2020. Coming to you late. It's about 11.15, my time in California. I didn't get this out last night. My throat was acting all fucking weird, especially after I did the Patreon. I didn't want to go right back into a new show. It would have sounded awful. So, got a good night's sleep and wanted to touch on a few things on this beautiful sunny day. I tell you, when it's sunny out and it's getting to be hot, we're talking mid 80s today, wearing a glove and masks is very difficult when you're outside. Like, has anybody taken gloves off yet and seen the sweat fly off your hands? And when you're in a fucking. Look, if you're, you step out of a car with the mask on to enter a grocery store, it's murder. And I feel like pulling the whole thing off my face. And I know you, you can't do that. You get, you know, you get more than looks. You get people giving you a real hard time. Um, spent two hours last night watching the Prince concert. I don't know how many people saw that. As you know, as I've said in the past, I'm a huge Prince fan. I found it, you know, I found it underwhelming. I never, you know, he's one of those, he's one of those artists that whatever song he's singing, nobody could do it as good. Forget about better. Nobody's ever taken a Prince song and said, oh my God, it's better than Prince's version. That's impossible. But even doing it as good is almost an impossibility. So they start bringing people on stage. Some of them are highly questioned. Some fucking... I don't even know his fucking name. Some Mexican guy who was supposed to be some hot guy. No. Nope. Usher got some dance moves. The one who really stood out for me was the was the ballet star, Misty Copeland. Oh, my God. She, she's she got moves. And she was really putting her, her all into the moves with, with Usher. And she was a standout. And she actually toured with Prince. So uh, that's why she knew exactly what she was doing. But every time they took shots of the crowd... It was all these, like, middle-aged white people. And I don't want to sound like a dick, but I know what Prince liked. I know what he found to be cool. Uh, He wouldn't have thought that audience was cool. He would have been disappointed with that audience. I mean, I saw Craig Robinson. He was the only famous person I saw. Maybe there were three or four famous people, but where is everybody? Everybody. Now, my wife was dancing in front of the TV, holding a microphone, a fake microphone, grabbing my daughter's ukulele. She's a Prince freak. So I've got some videos of her that I'm not allowed to post, but that was pretty funny. Um, And actually, on her 40th birthday, we got her a a Prince cake. So Prince's image was on the the top of the cake on some sheet that was printed up. And she's always saved that in the back of the freezer. I don't know why the freezer got the, the nod, but it's always been the back of our freezer. And when we moved, she made sure that fucking printed picture of Prince's face came with us to this new place we're in right now. So magically, it appeared last night and she put it up in front of the TV as she was dancing. <clears throat> and again, I love everything Prince does. I'm a huge Prince fan, but I also know... He had a cool factor that most people could not even imagine. You know that thing he did where he just like shake his head no or just not be into people being a certain way? He would have hated that crowd. I mean, I'm glad they did it, but I got to tell you guys, it's four years now and, you know, Prince has had his Grammy salute and I think they did something at the Oscars for him one time. I just feel like as great as he was, how many times can you put one of these things together? How many times? It's just, I don't need to see Chris Martin play the piano on a Prince song and, and, and Susanna Hoff sing Manic Money. I don't, I don't need it. Just show me, show me old clips of Prince. Show me him doing what he did in concert. I told my daughter that the last time me and her mother saw Prince was when she was still in my wife's belly. And... Um, He put on a hell of a show at the Staples Center in Los Angeles. I mean, every show he put on was a classic. And I told her, because she's into guitar now, I said, you're not going to find many people who play better guitar than Prince. And um, he used to do this thing at the end of one of his songs where the riff, the guitar riff was just so cold. He was so fucking good at it that he'd throw the guitar down and light it on fire and walk away meaning no one else could play that guitar because he played the shit out of it. Uh, Also, boy, did I make a mistake. Somebody called me out on me making a mistake, and I feel like I have to say this, but I bet 90% of you have no idea. So the other day I said Johnny Depp put a song on Instagram with Jeff Beck called Isolation. And somebody wrote me and said, hey, AJ, man, I love you, but bro, that is a John Lennon classic. I said, okay, I never said... I never said Johnny Depp wrote the fucking song. I said he performed it. Yeah, but bro, everybody knows it. I said, no, not everybody knows. It's bullshit. Bullshit. Not everybody knows John Lennon sang Isolation. So I said about one out of 10 people know that. He thinks I'm crazy. I think I'm right. Anyhow, it is what it is. It's a fucking John Lennon song that was done by Johnny Depp and Jeff Beck. And it's better than John Lennon's version, by the way. I got a big kick out of... uh, you know, I don't. You know, I know some of you are far away. I've been talking to a lot of you lately. Some of you are in Canada, uh, Boston, New Hampshire. I, there's, you guys are stretched everywhere, <clears throat> and I drop these names sometimes, like Mayor De Blasio in New York, and I forget that so many of you have no fucking clue who that is. Well, Mayor De Blasio, <clears throat> excuse me, Mayor De Blasio is the blowhard mayor of New York City who nobody likes, who thought he could run for president. He's an asshole. They call him Big Bird. He does nothing right. Um, most recently, he wanted he, he, he wanted to, and he did, get to release a bunch of prisoners from jail for fear they can, they, they'd contract the coronavirus. He didn't think they'd do anything wrong. Well, that backfired immensely, immensely. Now shithead. Just decided to celebrate the rebirth of New York City after this Chinese flu lockdown is lifted. He said he's going to give New York City the greatest ticker tape parade they've ever seen to celebrate the city's healthcare workers and first responders. He said the day's coming when we will overcome this disease. When that day comes, we can restart the vibrant, beautiful life of the city. The first thing we need to do is have a ticker tape parade, and we're going to honor those people. Who saved us? It's going to be the greatest of all parades because this one will speak to the rebirth of New York City. He said it's going to mark the beginning of a renaissance. But it's important to say thank you to so many good and noble people. All right, listen, I think that's a fantastic thought. God knows first responders need a day because they've been remarkable. Uh, But I don't think it's going to be a beautiful and joyous day in the city. How do you fucking practice social distance measuring during a ticker tape parade? How do you trust what's falling down from the buildings above you? Was those buildings were they cleaned? Are the people handling that shit are they virus free? You know, for the people who are in the cars, for the for the first responders who were driving down Broadway in cars and convertibles and trucks, that's one thing. But The the last thing you'd need in New York is a fucking parade right now, you asshole. Every parade has been canceled because of the virus. And yet he's thinking of a ticker tape parade. And this comes a few days after he said, we've got to go out and lead normal lives again. You know, when you get out there and you see a line that's crowded, if a supermarket's too crowded, you could take a photo and link the location, and send it to us, and we'll make sure enforcement comes to that place right away. So first he says, ignore the virus. Then he lets cons out of prison, and then he makes the citizens rat on each other. And what do you think happened when he let those criminals out of the joint? What do you think happened? 50 of them once again harmed people and committed crimes similar to the crimes that put them in jail in the first place. And he was shocked. He couldn't believe people would do that being given a second chance. This is a liberal asshole. This is what they do. And you know, the fucking the, the, the great city of New York... It's just being dragged down a hole, virus or no virus. I've seen all the pictures. Friends of mine are walking around. They're calling themselves I Am Legend because every, every place, the subways, Times Square, every place is empty. It's such a eerie, haunted look. The city's over, guys. It's just I don't think it will ever be the New York I used to love and used to run around in. Matter of fact, after I did that little piece on Peter Gation, the, the nightclub owner in New York who owned Tunnel, Palladium, Club USA, and Limelight, one of you guys sent me a, uh, a documentary that was made called Limelight in which Peter Gation participated. And so do all the people in New York who had a hand in his, in his, uh, in his reign I never saw it. It's on Amazon Prime. It's called Limelight. If you ever want to get a taste of what it was to be me and to be out in the city during those years in the 90s, you've got to see this because it's just it it was a reminder of how insanely popular and wild New York City was, how difficult it was to not go out every night. For me, my job to collect gossip and find people, I had to be out every night. But when you see what the city used to look like, I love seeing those stories because I forget. I I I, I think I remember correctly. But then, you know, you, your mind is always doing tricks on you down the road. It doesn't always look as good as you say it did. But when you see videos of limelight and tunnel and Palladium and, and Club USA, Jesus Christ, what a ball we had. Gation was making hundreds of thousands of dollars a week. And I know this... This uh, documentary tries to act like he had nothing to do with the drugs that were coming into his club. I tend to not believe that because I had the conversations with him, et cetera. I'm not going to double speak my way through this, but it is what it is. New York, as we knew it, is over. And I don't think it's ever going to come back. That more than any other city, the only real metropolis in this country, that's over, you know? It's just nothing like it used to be. Nobody likes the fucking mayor. And half the city has had it with Governor Cuomo. Don't let CNN fool you. It's just sad. That was my that was my Vietnam. That was my battlefield. And I, I'll always love it. But even I just talked to somebody who's who's leaving the city. Somebody who Chris Cuomo and his wife asked to do PR for them. Interesting, right? I know I dropped that the other day. But yeah, Chris Cuomo and his wife want some PR help. And this particular person turned them down. Um, she left the city, and and she leaving the city. If you knew who she was, you'd say, "Holy shit! How could she of all people?" She left. She went to New Jersey. She's had it. Anyhow, listen, guys. One thing I want to talk to you about that I haven't talked about in a while is bringing comfort into your home. is the ultimate form of self care. Let's talk about. Let's talk about Brooklyn. And for God's sake, you spent a third of your life in sheets. I've been through this with you. Almost three years now. You want these sheets to be insanely comfortable. I am not on Brooklinen, and I have not been on them for about two months. And it is a huge difference. I mean, not only the bed, but the loungewear, the towels, all that shit. Brooklinen is a home of the Internet's favorite sheets. They got over 50,000 five-star reviews and counting. And starting April 29th, Brooklinen is having their biggest sale yet, the birthday sale. Get everything from bedding to towels to loungewear and more at savings you will not believe. Like I said, I've told you a lot of stories about being on my Brooklyn and Sheets, how much I love my little girly being on the sheets. My little Lily loved the sheets, even though she used to dig like crazy to try to find a spot she liked better. It ain't the same being in a hotel and then being in this Airbnb. I'm very grateful for it, but it's not the same. I wish I would have known. I would have packed the sheets and come with them, but I didn't do that. But. Linen products help you find comfort in the little things, the morning routines, the extra soft sheets, the plush towels. And by the way, if you're working from home, you're staying comfortable, that's the best way to stay productive. I work out of my bed. You guys know that I never leave the bed. Not to mention, there's no fucking chair. Well, there is a chair, but it's where my kids play their video games. So I'm in the bed all day writing, reading. That's what I do. I never leave. So... Brooklinen is there for me, and it will be there for you for every part of your daily routine. And a good night's sleep is priceless. If you like softness and comfort and the essentials to help you relax, Brooklinen has it all. So do yourself a favor. Um, They're so confident in their product that all their sheets and comforters and loungewear and towels come with a lifetime warranty. The sale kicks off April 29th. You don't want to miss it. And if you can't wait, you can get 10% off your first order and free shipping on all new sheets. Right now, when you use the promo code FAME only at Brooklyn That's dot com, that's B R O O K L I N E N dot com. Brooklyn and everything you need to live your most comfortable life. Speaking of Brooklyn, and it sounds so much like Brooklyn, I gotta tell you, you know, I did this Amazon Prime show, Gravesend. I'm in mean, one episode, it's four episodes long. Maybe some of you haven't seen it yet, some of you have seen it, whatever. It's an enjoyable four episodes of what. Brooklyn was like in the 1980s with the mafia. It really is. And if you if you if you didn't live there you wouldn't know. The music, the mafia, the guys, it's it's all there. Now, most people are nice. Just like we're nice when someone shows us a picture of their baby. And I got to tell you, I've seen a lot of pictures of ugly babies. So if you, we all know this. We never see a picture of an ugly puppy or an ugly kitty cat. Ugly babies, that's pretty prevalent. But what do you do when you see someone's picture? You go, "What a beauty! God bless! Look at those eyes!" You say something. You don't go, "A little fat for a baby." No, a little, uh, a little on the pale side. You don't get critical. And when some people have reached out to me, assholes, they're haters. I know I shouldn't even give them a lie at the time of day. But for some people to go, "I saw, I saw Gravesend. It was terrible. It was no good. It's nothing like." Br- I'm like shut the fuck up. What what why would you even think you can contact me and think you can talk to me like you and I've been friends for fucking 20 years. You don't even know me. You you talk to me on Instagram and yet you can tell me this sucked? Do me a favor. If that's the way you feel, I don't keep it to yourself. I'm very critical of shit I've done. I but don't tell me it sucked. How fucking rude. It's like me showing you a picture of my baby and you saying, "Eh, yeah." The fucking legs are too short. Like, no, you're going to get a beating. Fucking idiots. Anyhow, most of you have been absolutely wonderful and have said, hey, Jazz, sorry, it's great. You're great. Whatever. And half of you are probably lying. But that's the wonder of good people. You say the good thing, not the fucking first stupid thing that pops into your head. Anyhow. (sighs) So it turns out, by the way, I know we've all been thinking about this. It turns out there's a very completely reasonable explanation why Bruce Willis has been quarantining with Demi Moore and their daughters and their daughter's boyfriends. God bless those guys, whatever the fuck they see in these girls. But he's been there for, what, 35, 36 days? So one of their daughters, Scout, went on a podcast called Dopey, and she explained why this is. She goes, you know, it's been so funny because to me – they're just like my super fucking weird parents. But to everyone else, they're at this different level. That's what she told the host of Dopey. She said, it's actually been really cool. My stepmom was supposed to come up here with my little sisters. But my younger sister, who's about six, she was at a park and had never gotten the talk about not fucking with hypodermic needles. Do you remember having the talk with your kids about hypodermic <laughs> So this poor little six-year-old didn't yet hear about avoiding hypodermic. So she picked it up and she poked a hole through her shoe with the needle and it went into her foot. I don't know what kind of shoe wear she's got on her feet, but who the fuck tries that? Watch out for this kid in the future. Trust me. You pick up a, a needle in a park and just jam it through your shoe, uh, there are bigger problems uh, awaiting. So she goes, my stepmom had to be in Los Angeles waiting to get the results from taking it to the doctor. So my dad came up here, fucking weird, and then travel got so crazy. So my stepmom stayed in LA with my little sisters. Okay. There's a lot to unpack here. I don't, I don't really know where to begin with this thing. Why was the kid unsupervised at a park with needles on the ground? What fucking town are they living in? There's plenty of parks in Los Angeles that don't have crack needles or heroin needles on the floor. It's insane. And she poked her foot through her shoe. It takes a lot of force for a six-year-old. Why did Emma, you know, why didn't she get the test results back yet? Bruce's wife. If Bruce was already in Idaho when this happened, and he's been in Idaho since March, why did he get the fucking, get his ass in the car, drive back to L.A., when he learned that his little daughter might have contracted hepatitis or something even worse from stabbing herself in the foot with a used syringe. What am I missing here? I think if he he appealed to Governor Newsom, they would have let him get the fuck out. They would have said, Bruce, go right ahead. I mean, this is John McClane, after all. He's got to go save the day. I'm not buying a lot of this stuff, guys. Your little daughter stabbed yourself with a needle and you're in another state with your own grown daughter's And instead of being with the little one and your wife, come on. There's so much what the fuck here, I can't even get into it. At any time, Bruce Willis could have gotten in a car and traveled to be with his new family. It's not like, you know, since the new wife and younger kids couldn't travel that he couldn't travel. Listen, no father of young kids would be happy being away from them during a global pandemic. That's the first thing. The young kids need him more than Scout, Rumor, and Tallulah do. And Demi, although she's probably the youngest out of all of them with her fucking mental capacity, the kids need him. And he's what is he doing? He's taking stupid fucking photographs with his other family, wearing the same pajamas. What's the other kid doing while the one with the needle issue was going to the doctor? Who's taking care of her? Does the wife have to bring both of them to the doctor because the nanny's not working now during this crisis? My wife's a nanny. She can't work. A lot of shit going on here with this story see you got to use your your, your your spidey sense and your reporter your reporter mentality so now this this woman emma's got two kids to lug around because Bruce is chilling with a bunch of adults now nah, don't make sense. what kind of marriage is this? It sounds like she's there to serve his needs, and those kids are hers not his That's that's what I feel. I feel bad for the kids. Uh, let me thank my tippy-top, my cream of the crop. I really owe you guys a lot because, by the way, the Patreon numbers have just inched to the highest level they've been. And that says a lot during this pandemic. So I really want to thank them. And all of you who haven't gone yet, consider it. It's worth it. Patreon.com slash fame is a bitch. Ali Chi Chi Tran, Angela D'Amino, Angelique Heller, Audra Fortune, Chris Elise, Dana Parks and Betty, Deb Thompson, Debbie Anderson, Eric Farquay, the great Gail Edwards, Dr. George Kanas, Heather Grindle, Jackie Robbins, happy birthday, Jackie, Jennifer Lewis, Joe Leone, the great Catherine Speed, the great Catherine Stewart, Kim Casto, Christy Tucker, Kurt Nowak, Marcello Martinez, Margie Brigham, Melanie Howell, Nicole Patterson, Patty Markle, Sarah Walker, the newbies, Sherry Finnerty and Scott Dillon, and of course, The old-timer, Wendy Mackesy. Thank you guys for being there. And um, thank you for keeping the numbers up and telling your friends because uh, it looks good. In this day and age where people have to cut corners and do what they got to do to survive, I am astonished to see the numbers going up. I love you guys for that. That's it for today. I've got some stuff to do for Agavina with the Jerry Sandusky series that's going to come out soon and blow your minds. I don't care what you guys think you know. You don't know. This guy was completely railroaded. Trust me. But I will talk to you guys tomorrow. I'm A.J. Bento That was your show for April twenty second, 2020. Take care. Thank you for listening. Fame is a Bitch is an A.J. Benza Workhouse Connect production featuring the endless wisdom, insightful commentary, and sometimes fucked up perspective of A.J. Benza. Executive Producer, Mike Agavino. Technical Producer, Brian Vasquez.